and welcome back to another brand new episode of Wrestling with Romance. I'm your co-host, Life Dean, and on today's episode, uh, Jack shares basically how he felt about going to college in New York City. Now, you know, growing up in New York City, I went to public school, elementary, middle, and high school in New York City, but I never got to experience what it was like being a college student, like living and going to school in New York City. Something I just thought would be hell, and Jack kind of talks on that. He tells me a story about one night out that really, you know, I guess changed the way he felt about living in New York. And he tells me a story about a young lady he met that night and their more than interesting adventure. From there, we kind of talk about some things that are on our hearts. Uh, Jack talks about how he feels about certain things within AEW. I personally, you know, push back a little bit because I don't think these are things that are like hampering but we discuss a few different things we we get a both of our point across um i talk about how i am tired of the subject of the casual wrestling fan especially when it's coming from people like ourselves who are not freaking casual fans and then finally we end the episode talking about what wrestling would we love to give a second attempt or like a second chance to finish their career off something in line with sting you know this saturday march 3rd being sting's last match and him getting the proper send-off after his injury during his time in wwe it's beautiful to see the send-off he got and it just pretty much got us to reflect on what our what wrestlers we love to see get another chance at a proper send-off with that being said make sure you leave a subscribe a like share this with your friends share this with people that you think might just be interested in you know all these different things and also tell us what wrestling you think would be amazing to see you know to have seen that in the second run um that being said we'll see you guys next week enjoy when i lived in new york for college it was mm-hmm. a pretty miserable time i was a very confused insecure uh uncertain individual as a lot of college students are I was about uh, to say that. <laughs> yeah i think i i was also just a square peg in a round hole like i thought i mean I, again like a lot of college students are they think they're going to college and it's going to solve a lot of their problems and i thought going to a film school and living this life in new york would mm-hmm. solve a lot of my problems and they only exasperated them and in a way it became one of my greatest gifts because i realized that i really don't want to live in a city and like what i truly want to do with my life by seeing what's not going to work for me that's good yeah like living in new york i mean going to college in new york is you don't get the college experience you just get you're living in new york city and you're like taking classes yeah so you get more new york experience than you get like a college experience yeah which for some people like that's cool i think i would have enjoyed the college experience a little bit more Mm. uh, especially like new york city i always just felt i was living inside of a big dome like yeah like from the simpsons movie yeah i did there are some experiences Mm -hmm. in new york that could have only happened in new york and which i actually now that i've gotten some distance for it i do get a little wispy eyed and a little uh, wistful for moments like these and right i used to just straight up hate new york 
And now I think of moments like this and I actually get nostalgic for it. Right. Uh, mostly for delivery Chinese food, but also <laughs> New York. Some good takeout, but I don't. Oh, <laughs> okay. NYU has no campus. No. The East Village is the campus. Yeah. And the quad is Washington Square Park. Yep. Me and I had a buddy, Jacob, who, bless his heart, uh, I think he lives out in Ithaca now. He was an actor. Really, really good dude. I miss him. Should hit him up sometime. He would actually really enjoy this podcast. Not a wrestling fan. Actually, no, we did watch wrestling a few times, and he was a theater guy, and he totally bought into it. It is theater. It's a mix. It, it is theater. Like that is what wrestling is. You know. We watched WrestleMania together and got fired up at Ronda Rousey's tag team match. We, That's a good that match. One. That's yeah. a good one. Now, the end part of that of that uh, WrestleMania is a little shit, but you know, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, you know, but, you know. <laughs> and. We'll get past that. <laughs> we wander into Washington Square Park one night to, yeah. you know, what every college student is doing in Washington Square Park under the cover of darkness. We're going with smoke pot. Of course. And we run into three very cute girls. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them's got little space bun hair. Princess Leia? Yeah. Okay. One of them's like four foot ten like kind of a squeaky voice but like huge smile mm. uh one of them is unlike any other girl i've really seen before and it turns out that's because she's native alaskan okay yeah and they all three friends not from new york but they all met up in new york to hang out uh college age like us okay start smoking weed together go on a grand adventure together mm -hmm. we go one of them goes and gets their nipples pierced we, at the same place we buy a bowl what so wait wait you just time the fuck out that this is see this is why this is only a new york fucking thing you just <laughs> meet these girls and you're already accompanying them while one gets their nipple pierced and at the same place we buy a bowl bowl yeah, that's so New York. Let me guess. This is somewhere right there in the village, ain't it? It's like four blocks away. I knew it. I knew. Probably, probably close to the one train, isn't it? By, by, by Washington Square Park is funny because on like the you have the arch. Mm -hmm. And on the I guess it would be the north side. Yeah. No, no, no. It would be it would be on the west side of it is where you come in from the NYU side. And on the west side of the arch, it's it, it's like the Lion King, where it's like everything the light touches is yours. And like, but what about the darkness? And it's like, don't go over there. <laughs> That's like the east side of Washington Square Park. It is. It is. Yeah, it's just where things get sketchy, and there's dark corners, and there's uncomfortable people. And if Not you keep going past that, you start running into... Almost like the part of New York, of Manhattan, at least, that Giuliani forgot about. 
it's not that he forgot about it. He just kind of wanted it to burn. It's more. <laughs> he just wanted it to go to hell. There's tired. like 10 blocks in between Washington Square Park and the East River yeah. that were untouched mm-hmm. by no, I, I mean, it's still got gentrified, but all the hallmarks of New York, the 99 cent pizzas, the 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 piercing places that are yep. also um, head shops, yeah, weird underground clubs, they all exist right in there. And it's really yep. the only place left in Manhattan that you can find it. Yeah, that definitely. Especially at the, what time? What time in college was this? What year was this for you? This must have been 2016. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the few times. Right now, I don't know if it's still like that. I'll tell you that much. You got taken, too. Everything's damn near taken at this point. Yeah, that's fair. You know, if you go downtown Brooklyn by the Barclays, trust me, it looks like lower Manhattan at this point. Oh, but that that place was like that even when I was in college. Yeah, but it looks more like it. Like, since the pandemic, like okay. it looks more like there's like... There's more sky rises. <laughs> oh fuck, that makes me sad. Yeah. Shout out Jay Z. Guess I was born down there, lived down there. You think it makes you sad? I I look like a Native American with just a single tear that runs down. Oh. <laughs> this but, land used to be ours. So you go with them to get the nipples. No, them get then one of them gets the nipples pierced. You buy this cool bowl that's like a skull hand. Okay. Or not a skull hand, that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. a like a skeleton hand. Okay. What are you wrinkling over there? I just found something that was on my bed. I had to move it. <laughs> skeleton hand. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have to go smoke <clears throat> out of it and name it. Because that's what of you're course. concerned about when you're 19 years old. Naming your piece. Yeah. So silly. Probably call it Jack the... Skellington or some shit like that. Jack Skellington. <laughs> I think it was one of the girls who actually bought it. Um, And we... I end up talking to the shorter one. Uh, That surprises me. (laughs) Yeah, well, The native Alaskan one was the one I thought that you would probably take aim for. If I had... I think if I was older, I would have. But back then, I I had just gotten handsome. It was still a very new concept for me. Understood. Understood. I was very ugly in high school. I spoke like exclusively in Facebook statuses and movie quotes. <laughs> and then I and then I got to college and like girls wanted to make out with me. And I'm like, oh fuck, am I hot now? Like, is this is this what it's like? You live in that bubble for so long where it's just like no one's interested in you that when you find out people are interested to you, it's like a shell shock. It's like, whoa, 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 what? I remember so distinctly staring into the mirror. I lived at my aunt and uncle's for most of college, mm-hmm. starting my sophomore years. I was a sophomore at this time. And looking into the mirror and being like, wait, I'm handsome now. <laughs> I did it. I was a little baby faced. I had, you know, I couldn't grow facial hair at the time, but I knew that I could like, I knew it was a new bubble I was living in. Like I could Mm -hmm. talk to girls and they're going to want to talk back to me. It's like, I got pretty privilege. I got pretty privilege. (laughs) And I got, you know, I could at least put up a facade 
right. of confidence now. It was backed by nothing. You know, it was all ego, no confidence. One of those things that is just like it, it, it's like a Jenga. It's like a Jenga building. So it yes. just takes one little breeze before that motherfucker tumbled right over. But it's strong right now. It's strong. <laughs> and like that fall, I had dated that rock cat understudy. Mm-hmm. And right. so that had solidified it. Where it's like, oh, I'm really am. What what's the face? When we've never you've never mentioned a rockhead understudy. I think you know what? That's once. She's that's a burlax dancer in Paris now. I think I'm gonna visit her this summer. Continue with your story. Because <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, Jack? Your life is interesting. Just <laughs> fucking interesting at this point. Um, I'm gonna, where... get you Do- I'm gonna get you a Dos Equis commercial. <laughs> I'm so we're with, um, we're gonna call her Daisy. Daisy, okay. And we're talking, hitting off, and then they go, We have to go find the school bus. Uh-huh. I'm like, What? What school bus? It's fucking 1 a.m. in the middle of in the Lower East Side. What school bus? And they go, there's a school bus that's driving around and it's playing music. Like our friends in the band, or we met somebody that's in the band. Like, okay. Mm. So we start walking around, we start smoking, and I start me and uh, Daisy start getting deeper into conversation. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're discussing prom, and then we're discussing the Chance the Rapper, which as, you know, two white people into rap music tend to do at the time. <laughs> what you said 2016, I'm like, all right, that's either coloring book time or that's a little bit off of acid rap. And I want to say... It wasn't... It was right before coloring book. It was, okay. either, yeah, it was right before coloring book. Yeah, probably right at... So it's just like him after the Kanye, being on Kanye's album and all that other stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. I to this day I can put on acid rap and immediately be like transported back to like senior year of high school, yeah. like just and feel even if for a brief moment like the weightlessness of being a kid. Yeah, it takes me back to because acid rap came out as I graduated college, so it takes me right back to them. We're talking about prom night the song now there are two conversations merge and she's like we played this like eight times at our after prom mm-hmm. I'm like i think i got too drunk at after prom and like puked into the bushes <laughs> she goes that's okay like we all like have our moments and there's been parties i had to be carried out of that was part of the grand adventure of it all mm-hmm. and then we're kind of just poking fun at ourselves and finding some uh Comfort, similarities and comfort in each other's deprecation. Right. And we can't get the bowl lit. And she's like, can someone get us a lighter? These two nerds can't figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) We finally find the, well, I think the bus more accurately finds us. And it's lit up. The inside is lit up neon green, neon red, neon blue lights. There is a band in the back. It's blasting music, and they're just driving around <laughs> the fucking Lower East Side, and we're picking people up. We're waving out the window like a bunch of fucking idiots. It's 2 a.m. 
but it's like a Friday in New York, so everything's yeah. still active. Everything right. is like still it's active. still the weekend. Yeah. And it you know, and it's also there is a certain level of debauchery that's accepted in New York, and it'll come up later on about how this all works out. Uh, but it's you know, there's there's a deal between the degenerates and the NYPD. Of course. That's like, all right, I'm gonna we're gonna be within your rules as long as you keep your rules uh loose. We'll follow your rules, policeman, officer man, but just make yeah. sure you allow us to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> and we're dancing on the bus twirling Daisy around. They're playing uh like kind of rhythm and blues, brass band right. type stuff. Fucking loud. And people are running on the bus and they'll run off and we're still hanging out there. It's and it is a moment where I sat down and much amidst an absolute fucking typhoon of terrible times mm-hmm. in New York. I was able to acknowledge this is why people fall in love with New York. Yeah. Is for moments like these that can only happen in this city and for falling in love with a girl who just got her nipple pierced and dragged me onto this magical school bus. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> And then the music fades down, and they go, we can't do another. Like, oh, come on, one more, one more song, one more song. And he says, no, our deal is we can fuck around, and we can drive around, and we can blast music, but at 3 a.m. it needs to stop. That's the deal we've struck with the NYPD. Yeah, that's usually New York. (laughs) So we all take a deep breath. I look around. I'm actually not that far from my dorm. Mm-hmm. And so me and Jacob say goodbyes, and there's Daisy sitting on the couch, smiling at me. And I go up to her, I say goodbye to her friends first. I hold her hand delicately. And I say, All right, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for showing me this wonderful time. I really needed it. She goes, Of course, Jack. Mm-hmm. It was really nice meeting you. And I look her in the eyes. And I can see that sparkle looking back at me. And then I just duck my head, give her a hug, and walk off. It was right there. I know. It was right there. I did not finish my story. Oh, God. I mean, the story is over, but I did not finish the story. The story's done, buddy. This has been over (laughs) close to a decade later. That story is finished. That story is. I, every time I go to New York, I think I'm going to run into her. You never know. Like I'm like, honest, I'm just going to see her one more time. Going to see her in the village, waiting for the bus. Waiting for the bus. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to see her, and it's just going to be a mirage. Like, I'm going to see her, and I'm going to see the bus. And then, like, the bus is going to stop and pick her up. And then the bus and her are just going to, like fade off into the ether and it was never really there you're just gonna see her just staring at you from the back window of the bus just like jack (laughs) like you you had it right there brother i was a very insecure boy 
And I thought maybe she was fucking one of the band members. You had it right there, and what happened was your insecurity happened to hit you with a Samoan spike before you came <laughs> It don't always work, but here, this is this is how I rational. Mm. Things of this. It wasn't a sure thing that she could have been hooking up. I, th- I think she was hooking up with one of the band members. Right. But it wasn't a sure thing. And if I had tried and had failed, that memory would be sullied. And sometimes, even for me, you know, the romance, even for me, mm-hmm. it's better to have the memory. And usually the romance is found in the potential. Hmm. So that story, I'm able to leave it with potential of what could have been rather mm-hmm. than the reality of what did. And on that note, folks, because I really can't think of nothing better, welcome to Wrestling with Romance. Yo, 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 yo. You have another fantastic story by the great Jack Simon. At this point, we're just going to call him Jack the Storyteller. Oh, at that's this point. <laughs> Jack the Storyteller, because you are knocking it out the these oh man I'm I can't wait for a double or nothing episode I think that's my best one I, I you've hinted at that story and I am very much interested on when we get close to that you telling that story because that um, story has everything that story has romance that story has like near hospitalization that story has wrestling it has Vegas one of these days, I do. That's like on my bucket list. Oh, also, by the way, I'm the other co-host, like the name. But oh, yeah. uh, one of these I'm Jack days. Simon. We're back <laughs> doing the podcast from bed because I aggravated my back this week. Yes, and... Jack. Jack's back is at this point the age of me, while he I... is such a young man. Um, if you one... could have, um, if you could smell the podcast, you would just smell a lot of icy hot <laughs> over here. One yeah, day sorry, I on. still have like I I do want to go to a show in Vegas, like a wrestling show in Vegas, because I feel like it is the ultimate experience, probably, of like wrestling, possibly turn to the Hangover, and then you know have some fucking story. But also, I'm about to be 34, so my body reacts to certain shit not in the way it used to when I was 20 something. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know. If I drink hard, the next day I'm probably I'm probably gonna be in the fucking ER. So it's like it's, it's not the same anymore. I'm worried we missed the the window. I shouldn't say that. I, I was gonna say that, like I'm worried that the the window has closed on AEW on wrestling in Vegas mm. because, like, it had that one le- like death rattle the year after COVID. Yeah, we. My story takes place, and now, like last year's crowd was so shit for double or nothing. I think. How year... often does? How often does WWE do Vegas now? Not that often. That's right? why I, I think though them having, I think them having the kickoff at Allegiant Stadium wasn't by accident. I think Allegiant Stadium is going to be one of their mania weekends in the next few years because they've never done that stadium. So 
them do and I think that would be the year that AEW probably doesn't do double or nothing in Vegas. So I can see because they haven't announced what's mania next year yet. They haven't announced where that is. So and I think the word is either Minneapolis or it's Vegas. And if I'm them, I'm taking Vegas. <laughs> taking so and that's I thought that it, was kind of the carrot too. Yeah. Or maybe we come here soon. And if that's the case, that means you have what you have Vegas, you have WrestleMania weekend in Vegas. Now listen, I ain't done a Mania weekend in a long time. I was a I was a wee lad. My dreadlocks was very shorter. <laughs> my, when I last went to uh, uh, WrestleMania weekend, you could still see my ears through my dreadlocks. So to think about doing a WrestleMania weekend, Wale Mania, GCW. Well, that, uh, I was going to say that. I'm curious of where the indie shows run. I'm very interested. And I think that would be kind of dope to find out. Yes. I could see it, I could see it being very difficult for indie shows. Yes. Because if you're going to Vegas, everybody's going to stay on the strip. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on the strip and, and like you can't have a show on the strip, there's just nowhere to fucking do it. No. Uh I doubt one of the big casinos are going to give you some space. Maybe you can do it at like a Circus Circus or like a Flamingo. Um that would be cool. I don't know I don't know, I'm sure they have a uh, like, what's it called? Like an auditorium hall. You're gonna have it in. Maybe that could happen. But if you're going there, you don't have a car because you're just oh, I'm gonna stay on the Vegas Strip and walk up and down. Which, yeah. by the way, if you've never been to Vegas, terrible fucking idea. It's way longer than you think. <laughs> Vegas Strip is way longer, and you see all the pretty lights, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna walk it. And all of a sudden, you've walked like 20 miles in a day. Take an Uber. Treat yourself. It's okay. I'm very interested if it does happen because I would I would I would go to Vegas probably for that because I've never been to Vegas I've always wanted to go to Vegas and I'm like all right a mania weekend in Vegas why not I love Vegas I love Vegas so fucking much it's you can have so many different types of Vegas too like I've gone to Vegas and just rode roller coasters for three days see that would be me I would be there riding roller coasters going to fucking indie shows I wouldn't even go to I'd probably go to night two of Mania, but I probably that's it. I'm not even going to go to night if, one. If you go to Vegas for a wrestling show, I'll come. Okay, shit. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the first time we meet up in person. It would be, even though we've thrown out if they do Arthur Ashe for Forbidden Door, like it's been teased yeah. that we've we've said, hey, this should be the show. What do you <laughs> make of that? What Arthur Ashe being for Forbidden Door? Yeah. I thought Arthur Ashe should have been for World's End. I did not like Nassau College. I thought Arthur Ashe being for for Forbidden Door to me is cool. I like the idea of that because if you're doing New Japan CMLL, I'm probably, as a New Yorker, I don't know where I'm going to see a show like that. Like you get New Japan CMLL, even though, yeah. Oh, you think you know, they're putting it all together for that show? I would think so. I think there was a reason why the, like all of that stuff has been teased, and you have certain stuff being like I forgot they they put out the like New Japan Cup, but there's certain stuff being teased. Like you have um, Echizero one challenge Zack Sabre Junior. Like I'm like I think they're doing a big Forbidden where it's like all three of those companies, and I'm like if that's the case, absolutely. I I do it in New York. 
Now, what does that do for Grand Slam? I don't know. They moved it. They moved. I forgot where they moved it, but they did move it, like officially. So it won't be at Arthur Ashe. It won't be at Arthur Ashe. If it's going to be somewhere, I'll tell you this, if, if it's more in the city, I'm so for it. I'm cool with going to... I'm cool with going to Arthur Ashe for a pay-per-view and going somewhere in the city where it's easier for me to travel <laughs> for a Grand Slam. Because I'm not going to lie, that trip in September is always a bitch because there's always train construction on the goddamn 7 at that time. <laughs> it never I was finished. there for that first Grand Slam show. Me too. Um and hey, another instance where we like pass each other like ships in the night. All in Grand Slam. <laughs> we 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 were meant to do this, Jack. We was always meant to come across one another. So the rumor is it'll be held in Louis Armstrong Stadium in Queens, but they sure. took that back. PW Insider reported it, but they took that back. But that's still that's still like the most rumored location. Where's Louis Armstrong Stadium? I have no fucking idea. I was about to say, I don't fucking know. It's because they can't use fucking Barclays and MSG. Yeah. Um, Which I hate. Which I absolutely hate. I'm just like, let them fucking use it. (laughs) Well, I think they can use it. I think that they don't really want to. They think they are cognizant of that's WWE's space and we want to create our own thing. From what I, because there was a report, because usually if you've ever realized, WWE book shows around those times in New York. So AEW can't use those stadiums for a few months after WWE like gets like uses them. Like they have a deal with, I guess, like some of the stadiums. Uh, like that. More, because I know they got a, when they tried to do that with MSG. Yeah. For the new Japan Ring of Honor show, there was a big, uh, Mm-hmm. Lawsuit and hubba blue about it. Yeah, so and they're like, yeah, you definitely can't do that. But now it makes more sense to just book a show nearby and have no compete clause thrown at the venue. Yeah. So it's right. It's literally right next to Arthur Ashe Stadium, Louis Armstrong Stadium. Oh, so I'm it, going to the same fucking. Oh, yeah, you're going to the, the same open, spot. Is it the open air one? I'm not sure. It looks like it is. I wish they would open up the the roof for Arthur Ashe next time they have it there. I think that would be really cool. I mean, if you're doing it in June, you better fucking open it, because if you're doing it in the middle of the fucking summer, let me tell you, that shit is gonna smell disgusting. Because there's some fans, you know exactly which fans I'm talking about, Jack. The neckbeard from uh, Black Craft Wrestling. That is the open air one. Can confirm. Okay, cool. So that's. I think they can oh. close it up, but they usually do not. Okay, I'm cool with that because it's it's yeah. a little different. Okay, I'm cool with that. But yeah, uh, the neck beards. Let me tell you, they be they be in there reeking. No, I walked right by um, the whole crowd in Arthur. Oh, with the for the first for for the first Grand Slam when it was a shit show because the venue didn't hold like higher enough staff and like they were supposed to be checking vaccine cards there was like six different lines from the subway to mm-hmm. the stadium and i was with my then girlfriend and i was like just let's just keep walking until they stop us and people are stop. lined up 
and and I'm like, what are you lined up for? We're not even near the fucking entrance. So we just kept walking and just kept walking. And eventually we're at the stadium now. And I see a big corral over to my left of all these people. And then I see the entrance. And I'm like, what are they waiting for? And so I just we just went through the entrance. And then people started booing everybody who was just going through the entrance, including me. And I got there hella early, so I was just on the line. I was just waiting for them to like even allow people like to the front of the gate, and I was just there online. But they've really, they've like the last two years have been better at Grand Slam because they've been more staff prepared. Yeah, well, but they definitely biffed it. That first year, oh, that's first year. Sad. Reportedly, that's- they knew they biffed it, and also that was the biggest crowd they've ever had there because it was during. A time, and this is what's on my heart today, mm-hmm. where AEW could still surprise you, and it was still tantalizing when they had new wrestlers, and um, when new wrestlers came in, the possibilities were still interesting, and you couldn't quite see where it was all going to go and how it was going to work out. Like they had the the Kenny Omega Brian Danielson match. Mm-hmm. And it was exa- everything the fans wanted, and they had him go to a draw. Perfect. Right. Nailed it. Little Uzi Vert showed up. Fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And now with AEW, you kind of just get what you expect now. Like, okay. I think of a wrestler like Malachi Black, who, after his match with Brian Keith... Mm-hmm. I'm reminded that, oh, wow, that's right. Not only is he one of the best, but his wrestling style is one of a kind. Yeah. There's no other wrestler who wrestles like him. And I love striking based wrestlers. There's not many of them. I've brought this up a couple times before. He's yeah. one of them and he executes it flawlessly. He is definitely one of the more, that's, he's one of my favorites. He's always been one of my favorites, honestly. And you take Malachi Black and you transport him back to 2019, 2020, even 2021. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know. like, And you just drop him in and say, like, all right, go wrestle. Yeah. And you, he would be on TV every fucking week. And he would be incredible every fucking week. And the, his lore would be deepened. And there would be interest and intrigue and mystique and aura and on top of that we would get so much wrestling from him but now because it's so fucking bloated you just get what you expect because there's no more room for surprises Mm. it's an audio medium you have to use your words no 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 I'm thinking about the idea that there's no more room for surprises I don't I don't know if that goes for everybody when I look at the entire roster, but I want you to continue to that, that before I say anything. I I look at a wrestler like Brody Lee, rest right. in peace, and I think what would happen if he signed now and he wouldn't get that chance that he got then. He got that chance because <clears throat> it was still the it was still redemption Island where you can come to AEW and get the chance and get the time and get the moment that you weren't offered in WWE. And if you, and it's sink or swim and there were wrestlers who they brought in who fucking sank. Mm -hmm. 
shout out Brian Cage, where they had moments where it's like, we're going to, we can make you a star if you really are capable. And Brody right. Lee was capable. He was everything yes. that we always expected him to be. Yes. Malachi Black is the, on that same level, should be getting that breathing room and has not because there's not that space anymore. They're not willing to take the chance. Okay. I think they book conservatively now. I don't feel, I don't, okay, here's the thing that I feel is the issue on why I'm disagreeing. A lot of wrestling is timing. A lot of wrestling is timing. Because let's look at it. If we go, if we look at any of our favorites, right? Bill Goldberg works. I was a Bill Goldberg fan. But he works because you needed an answer to Austin. You needed that for WCW. They had ran their course with NWO. They fucked up Sting. They had they had fucked up that story. Because of the way that Starcade 97 ended. And then they was losing momentum. And you needed a star that kind of gave you already had that badass star with Austin. And you kind of needed your answer to that. And Goldberg, while having a similar look, was the opposite of Austin. Like Austin had the personality, he had the catchphrase, he'd come down, he had, you know, he just had that flipping off my boss. Goldberg was, I'm gonna fuck you up in less than three minutes. Almost like a bizarro world version. Exactly. And he was on TNT. So then, all right, you're an actual athlete. You're all this other stuff. You've come off different. And then it was like, anytime they try to put a microphone in his face, you just look at it and walk off and storm off. Like, I'm not here to talk. I'm here to fuck people up. And it just worked and gained momentum like that. But it was in a time where I don't think if he came during the time when NWO was heavy, he would have got lost in the sauce. Do you know, did Goldberg come during their ratings win streak or after? After. So it was already over. The 83 weeks were over. The 83 weeks was on the was over. And this is when, because I was watching. So it was on the tail end when it was like WWE started gaining momentum again. Mm-hmm. So they was kind of lost. like Because the NWO had a stronghold on it. The Sting storyline was hard. It was yeah. like the biggest thing. And then what happened is they pretty much they fucked up the ending. And then when they fucked up the ending, it was kind of like people was just like, that's when Austin was taking the fuck off. Right. So then it was just like, oh, yeah, we could just watch this. And that's when they did the whole Mick Foley shit. All that shit happened around the same fucking time when it was just like, oh, yeah, Mick Foley's winning the title. Somebody wants to see that. Yes, everybody wants to see that. Click. Everybody wants to see that. So it was like. Yeah, the whole asses and seats moment. I see your point. I don't see how it connects to this. I don't don't think it's an apt comparison. That's that's one. But if you look at other moments, when you look at, there's certain people that have to come around at certain times. There's certain times where it's just like, yes, this works at the time. Like, if you look at it, the one of the things I think people love NXT is because people really was dying out of the WWE product. Okay. When NXT started to explode, it was like, ah, I'm burnt out over here. NXT came. Your favorite indie stars was coming over there. Honestly, they was on Hulu. I was watching it when it was on fucking Hulu on fucking two-week tape delays. <laughs> and you was just like, oh, shit. They having Cesaro and Sami Zayn do these fucking crazy-ass matches where Cesaro's catching them in the air and throwing them and catching them with an uppercut. You're like, yo, I can't watch this on regular WWE. And I think what most people have to understand is, okay, 
because also I look at AEW as it's on it's like what solidly five years in. That year coming out of the pandemic is almost like a fucking fever dream. It is something where we have to understand it was a time and it was an amazing time, but also we now have to switch from that time and let that time kind of go. I'm not nostalgic for that time. It isn't a golden age fallacy. I don't think you are. What I think is the thing is there's a few things like Malachi is a good example, but I always looked at my one or two gripes, the only two gripes I had with the Malachi thing, even when, even before the bloating of the roster started was I did not like how him and Cody ended. Like was... Cody, where Cody won, I kind of felt like that should have been the one feud where Cody had no wins in it, because I just felt like it played better for Cody as like this one person has like how Swerve Hangman is now. I felt should have been kind of how Cody Black could have been because mm, interesting Black squashed him first and yeah. then he beat him at Grand Slam. And then Cody beat him in a hardcore match. And now so it ended like, up 2 1, right? It ended up 2 1. Well, 2 2 if you count the six man that they had. <laughs> the six. So it ended up being 2 2. And I was just like, ah, I'm not feeling this. So then he was supposed to. Remember, if you remember, he was supposed to, like, it was, they were supposed to feud with the Lucha Bros immediately after because that's when Brody King came in. And then that's when Phoenix fucked up his elbow on that title defense where he dislocated his elbow getting choke slammed through the table by Luchasaurus. So it was like, it's one of the things with AEW where I've said, it's like they've been like snake bitten every time something starts to game momentum. I can't stand this fucking argument. I, I'm sorry. I mean, and okay. Because every say, wrestling company is snake bitten because injuries but, always fucking happen. But let me finish. Let me finish before you go off. The one thing I, I have had to say is their issue is okay you get snake bitten but how do you rebound how do you re how do you switch they have had to learn how to do that differently because they, again early company early fucking company their first full year went into the pandemic so you don't even really know how to fucking flip from injuries because your ass went straight into the pandemic and it's like Tony's not a fucking he's he's not an expert booker I was it, it is like, where his inexperience has it's Exactly. So I think the thing is, a lot of us is we've had to watch his inexperience. Yeah. Up front. And it's like, we kind of have to realize, like, yeah, we have to deal with the growing pains. Like, I don't, like, I feel like with with all this stuff, I feel like I've had to give them grace because it's the fact of, like, I have to learn through your growing pains. Like, I have, I want to enjoy this product. I actually have to watch you fuck up how you make your twist because. You're doing it in front of me. Like, it's not like you had time. Like, like I always say, like, Triple H had NXT to learn that. Yeah. He was a booker before he got to Raw and SmackDown now. And he did that through how many takeovers and shit? Like, I can't imagine how Tony Khan would have took Tommaso Chopper's fucking neck having to get fused two weeks before a takeover. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't disagree, but it's one of those things where I'm just like, we also got to look at them and be like, we can't judge it on the same scale. Yeah, well, here's the thing is that you have to because they're both on national TV. 
you, and you want and and I want AEW to succeed. I don't think and I so I have to judge it on the same scale as WWE. See, but there are certain concessions I'm willing to make. Like WWE's had a fucking 70 year head start, 60 year, 50, what, 70s? Since the 70s, brother. Since the 70s. had a 50 year head start. So obviously they're not going to have the same brand recognition and and the same audience. Right. But when it comes to actual quality of the product, I have to have the same standard. Well, okay. So Can you one. explain to me why is it not Malachi Black's timing? If this um, is your argument that wrestling is all about timing, I don't think it's not his timing. Uh, I don't think for him specifically. I think for him is for him it's a little bit more weird because it's like okay, everything was building up to the eventual House of Black, and then he himself got injured. Because then he was talking about his back being so fucked up that he thought he had to retire. So it's like a bunch of shit was happening. So we just don't know. I think when it comes down to the company of AEW, there's two things. And the reason why I say I don't grade, I don't necessarily grade AEW, but also I don't grade any of the wrestling companies on the same, on the same, because I can't. Because it just it I, that that to me doesn't make sense on this level. But good wrestling is just good wrestling. Good wrestling is good wrestling. If we're talking like in-ring product, that's different. I that's mean, I mean, as a company, I grade them all differently. In-ring, I still feel like I get the best to what I want in AEW. I would say in-ring, yeah, but I, I'm also talking on television. See, on television, this is what I'm saying. Though, it's different for me. It's like, again, I'm a fan. I don't need too much. I don't really... I don't give a fuck. I really like storylines. I just need them to make a plus like one plus one equals two cents for me to be into it. I've been but that person. Malachi Black, we get one plus zero. We get one times zero. Okay. If we're specifically talking about I'm just talking it's about just using him as an okay. example. Let's use him okay. as our skeleton key. With him, from what I saw was he got they did the few they did him and Cody from him and Cody. They started to branch out into the House of Black of introducing Brody King, introducing Buddy Matthews. Then from there, they started doing a lot of trios, and then they kind of lost fucking sight. They they got lost with something. I don't know what the fuck happened, so it made no sense. But also, it's the thing of when injuries happen, how do you fucking switch your shit around? And he's one of the prime examples of we had to watch them go through the growing pains of like, y'all don't know how to fucking switch course. That makes sense when somebody, when something goes wrong. And that was one of the things for AEW in 2022. That was a heavy thing for like, if is it, I would but say you could have Malachi go out there and just cut promos and, or just do backstage segments and deepen the lore. He did like, that's what they did. They did the whole, but it was infrequent. Yes. But also it's infrequent. But I would say this is also another thing. We with the with the growing pains. How do you manage your time and fit things with the time that you're allowed it with the roster that you keep growing? This is all part of the growing pains. Like you had up until collision started, you had four hours of TV. You're building. You keep bringing more people in. How do you manage to keep all these things, getting them TV time? And you keep a course. But that's that's my exact point, is that now we don't get those moments. See, I don't 
I don't feel that way because because that's with, what I thought AEW. That's what AEW represented to me is that wrestlers who haven't, who we know are uber talented, who haven't gotten their shot, are now going to at least get their opportunity. And if they sink, they sink. Then we saw, then then at least we got to see. Goes back to romance and all the romance is in the potential. And if see, we now we only got the potential, we never got reality. But this is what I would say. I would say over these last three months, it's been way better of them getting there. It's because I would say, I would say everything with Black and Malachi has been continuous since World End. That has been continuous since you have Mark since you have Mark Briscoe versus Brody King. That has been consistent for Brody two King. to three months. Yeah, when you have Mark Briscoe versus Brody King. That's been consistent to now. Like he they had the match with him and Mark Briscoe. You had Malachi cutting the promo coming after him. You had him coming after Malachi. Like, it's been consistent. I think the thing for them is last year was them trying to figure out this casual fan shit. And, oh, how do we appeal to them? And that's some shit that, on my heart, I fucking hate. We need to stop that. AEW don't need to appeal to what we think. First of all, if you are on Twitter, on a podcast, if you're on Instagram, whatever, even us, we need to shut the fuck up about casual fans. You know why? We're not right. fucking casual. <laughs> well, they're also not real. But here's the thing. The casual wrestling fan is a casual WWE fan. Right. A casual pro wrestling fan is just a WWE fan. Perfect example. You know who's a casual fan technically that me and you have talked about recently? Your dad. Yeah, I would say because he's a that Actually, you know what? Fine. Sure. Fuck it. Let's say my dad. My dad who watches pro wrestling and I've taken to pro wrestling shows and watches mostly because I'm a fan and he loves me and loves what I love by uh, connection, by surrogate. Right. But he's like, I'm going to watch this show. Hey. I like that, I like the FTR because they're like they resonate yeah. to him. Like, that so my has, dad liked the FTR. He's like, Who are these guys? Who are the Italian dudes? Max <laughs> Harwood and Cash Wheeler. That's FTR. He goes, They're my favorite, they're short, even. like me. I'm like, all right, bro, for sure. He was pissed about the time limit draw. He was, but that's the lore of a time limit draw. You're supposed to want more. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're supposed to want a definitive resolution so it makes you want to watch that match so when the match is on the pay-per-view you're like yeah i need to see that i I guess the idea is when you talk about a casual fan Mm -hmm. are you trying to convert these casual fans into hardcore fans or are you just trying to keep the casual fans around this is what i don't understand about the casual fan argument because the people who be like oh aw gotta appeal to the casual fans like i'm not here to give this man no more hate this man's twitter probably it's filled with hate. And also, you know, no offense to O'Shea Jackson. I just muted you because it's just too much sometimes to see the shit just keep popping up on Twitter. <laughs> but when he was talking about it, I'm like, oh, how do AEW appeal to casual fans? It's like, that's not their fucking appeal. That's not their fucking appeal. Like, their appeal is fans who actually just really are into the shit and they want to pull people in. And they make you want to look into some shit. I ain't never seen Echisero a day in my fucking life before that Daniel, that Brian Danielson match. I ain't know who the fuck he was. I was very confused on why he was firebending on fucking stage. I thought I was watching the fucking episode of Avatar. But when him and Danielson got into the fucking ring, I want to see this motherfucker wrestle every fucking time. 
the thing with the thing is what two companies do they like two of the companies are never going to do the same shit what i'm going to get in wwe i'm not going to get in new japan but i'm going to get in new japan i'm damn sure not going to get in tna what i'm going to get in tna i'm not going to get in wwe cmll and it's the fact of you just have to be interested in looking for the shit but also i think back to your thing with Malachi, the issue with aw i think last year they kind of got away from what made them them yeah especially from like late 2022 into last year and then when the c2 started it was like yes this is the fucking aw i am here for this is the shit i want and they've been proceeding to give you that shit on a regular fucking basis of like all right we'll give you some matches you had no idea was going to be fucking great and just rock out with that edge versus nor suzuki Matt Taven versus fucking Orange Cassidy in the Texas death match. I had no right to be that good. I'm not going to give the O'Shea Jackson thing breath because I just, I'm honestly, for me, I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. I just don't, I could not give less of a fuck. Like, if he <laughs> likes, if he likes WWE, cool. If he doesn't like AEW, cool. If he, if he loves pro wrestling and only watches WWE, fine. I just don't give a fuck. Like, oh. this fetishization of the casual fan has grown to be so, like, extraordinarily grotesque yes it's, it's like, like yeah he likes what he likes so let him like what he likes and if he tries something else and he watches AEW and he likes it cool if not the, that's okay too you don't have to like fucking everything i, I love westerns i don't want i don't love every single western i've ever watched yeah and like I why watch is- movies at home these days it's pretty much just westerns okay i watched little rita a couple weeks ago that shit fucking blew all right but I What's still had fun because I like westerns. What's that? What's Little Rita? It's like a sealess western from like the fucking seventies. Like, don't okay. even sweat it. Um, <laughs> I was like, What's that? yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I'm. It's like it's the equivalent of watching like Mid Atlantic, like uh, a random episode of Mid Atlantic. Oh, okay. Um, secondly, the complaint I get when I watch pro wrestling with people who are either casual fans or are just watching it because I'm watching it and or curious even where it's like, all right, Jack's watching it. Let's see what's going on. Mm-hmm. The number one place where they tune out is during promos and backstage segments. Mm-hmm. They love the matches. And then like someone starts talking they go, Oh yeah, this is pretty much all pro wrestling is. It's just talking. People love fucking matches. Like that's the reality of it. That's, that's why they want to see their stories happen. That's that why, they, why that's what they want to see more of. I am so confused when people be like, "Oh, AEW just matches, bitch." That's all people want. <laughs> I don't think it's all people want. Like the other comparison I also make is like my uncle's mom, who's almost a hundred, who watches Monday Night Raw every week because, quote, "I like the stories." There's that too. There's that soap opera aspect of it that we all know, but she still is watching for like the payoff of the matches like it's in the background yeah. because i talked to her about it because i was genuinely curious right. um and she's like yeah you know i kind of do whatever during the talking parts but then when it's the matches that's when i want to see the payoff yeah i mean that is relatively kind of how i watch raw like raw and smackdown i don't fully watch like i just let it play and i do whatever i'm doing like i'll be painting drawing sketching you know i'll do my whole other i live my life 
with it just playing in the background. But AEW, I'm going to sit down and watch because more likely they have the stuff I want to see. They have the action I want to see. They have the people I want to see. But the thing about it is when I say we have to just stop worrying about, oh, this company doesn't appeal to, the, to me, so they can't appeal to a casual fan. You ain't a casual fucking fan of the company. You ain't fucking... You, you are a fan of another product yeah. who wants another product to give you the product like how you get it from that other company. And that doesn't fucking work. <laughs> and I get fucking tired of it. I like I feel like T-Pain on his Ustream. Talk about something else. Do something else. I want stories, but I want them in my matches. I don't want these video game matches, which AEW is guilty of, but every company's guilty of it. But like just as an example, because it's on my mind because I just watched it. Like Sammy Guevara versus Powerhouse Hobbs uh, from Collision. I'm about to watch it when we get one. I would say the worst hardcore match I've ever seen. Like guilty of everything that's ever been levied against hardcore matches and AEW matches where it was just this video game match where they're just doing spots that don't have a lot of lead up or make sense and are just kind of keep falling flat on their face. I won't spoil anything that happens in the match, but I think you'll see what I'm talking about. And that I get when people watch AEW and be like, there's no stories because in that match, there was no story. There was nothing I've, leading into it, I've, and the match told no stories. It was just... What do you mean? It, it was like they were being controlled it. by player one and player two. What the fuck you mean there was nothing into it? Yeah, you got the whole family thing, and they're I'm like... like the what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I w- okay. There's, <laughs> there's a loose idea of like, okay, these two f- factions are beefing, so now that they're going to wrestle, but there was nothing that like led to this we need to have a no dq match between these two guys it wasn't even that it's it's a whole bunch of other shit it's like all right sammy was in the family but then sammy got mad with the family and then also powerhouse hobbs cost them the fucking tag team titles because he moved ricky starts out the way when he was fucking about to do a swanton off the side of the stage and Fucking yeah, but because shit. things happen between two people doesn't mean that there's a story specifically one but, that needs to be paid off paid off with a no dq and listen if they had had a match that had an interesting thread line and an interesting narrative i wouldn't be singing this too hold on time 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 and then last week after the jeff hardy match powerhouse hobbs put him through a table and said do something about it bitch and then they had a fucking match what do you mean there ain't two? Like I ain't even seen it. I've only seen one fucking clip, and it's and it makes me want to watch the whole fucking match. So maybe I might not agree with you, but there's been shit that's been putting A to B again. I'm a simple one plus one equals two motherfucker. I'm a very simple motherfucker. It don't take me long to get me to buy into some shit. I guess my frustration is that it it, it anything that came before it was times by zero because nothing really happened in the match that. Is Fall it time by through. zero, or is it because we just don't give a fuck about Sammy? Let, let's be honest. Let's just address the elephant. In well, the let's go. If you want to talk about one plus one, we don't give a fuck about Sammy because he has these video game matches that don't make you feel anything. So then, is it really the match or is it Sammy? Well, Sammy's in the match. but So that it's, it's like, so like so it's both. So, so Hobbs ain't do nothing for you? Hobbs ain't interest you in nothing? Listen, positive times a negative is still a negative. 
I think powerhouse Hobbs has a lot more potential than Sammy Guevara and powerhouse Hobbs can do great things. Um, but that ain't it. I don't, I ain't see the match. I'm not going to just say nothing yet. I will right. see how I feel after the match. You may I mean, get a text from me saying what the fuck fine. are you talking about? Yeah, we'll <laughs> talk like, about next week, but like, we'll let's talk about all right, next week. Let's roll it into what wrestler would you give a second chance for their career on or discussion today? I find this one very interesting. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go? First? No, you go first. Okay. Especially with what we have in like what five days, Sting's last match, which yeah. is like his second chance. Which, um, as a Stinger fan, it's been glorious for me. Honestly, I've loved it. Um, I think about that. Mm. Damn, a second one just came in my head, but then that's changing the whole world. Okay, no, let's um, go. Do both. Well, the other one is just they died of natural causes outside the ring. Um, I mean, that's, but I can still. The first one is Bret Hart. Like I've, I always wondered if his, if he, if he didn't get hurt, like how would his career end? Would he have gone back to WWE when like WCW bought WWE? Like, would he have gone on one final run? You know what I mean? Like, I, I always wondered, like, if he got to finish, if he got to finish his career how he wanted to finish his career, how would it end? Um. Just because I just feel like, I just feel like that WC, especially watching the WCW run, you could just see how miserable he was. You could just see how much he just didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I remember watching the match where he got hurt, uh, that his last match. And I remember when Goldberg kicked him, and I was just like, "Oh, that looks very, that looked very much like it connected." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh. "But um, the second one." Man, this is one that always keeps me up as a wrestling fan. And if Eddie Guerrero just never passed away, mm. that one. Because I remember they said the rumor match was supposed to be him and Shawn at Batmania. And I would have given anything to see him and Shawn Michaels, especially second run Shawn Michaels. Like, Shawn Michaels' second run to me, last miss or not, is better than his first run. Like when he came back, the the fucking unsanctioned match with Triple H and everything, man, that that uh, to see him and Eddie would have been fucking fantastic. So just then, like I would love to see Eddie get like this run in like Mexico, maybe at his fifties or something, or be old or you know just. You know, just oh, Eddie. Eddie would have had an amazing like twilight of his career. Can you imagine just randomly you would have gotten in like 2016 Eddie versus Kenny Omega on a fucking like <laughs> on an independent show? Like that would have been crazy. Oh man, that's one. Eddie. I wish because I was a major Eddie fan. Eddie's one of my goats. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got so I, I just started like rattling them off mm-hmm. in my head while you talk. Like all of a sudden I got a rush of one side. <laughs> and it's a combination of like either injuries or just timing. Yeah. Or or tragic events, um, but I'll throw a couple of them at you. I'll, I'll okay. s- see if we can get through them all, but we'll. If not, it's okay. Uh, the yeah. world will stay on its axis. Number one, number one, Steve Blackman. Steve Blackman, the Lethal Weapon, <sighs> would have been so fucking cool in modern day at his time, whenever. Steve if he Blackman just... in Bloodsport. Oh been. my god. <laughs> Steve Blackman in Bloodsport would have ended days 
John Moxley versus Blackman in Bloodsport. Blackman Ooh. versus um versus Barnett in Bloodsport. That would be fire. That would Steve Blackman versus Malachi Black in Bloodsport. If we really want to like get into some fantasy booking, that is some fantasy booking shit right there. Yeah, would it, he was so cool. He had such a natural charisma, like about him, where he could just stand, mm-hmm. and you could find and you found something alluring. And he yeah. had the legitimate background, and the dude could work. Like yeah. from what we saw from him, we were just seeing a peek at his potential because he was still learning what we saw. Yeah. Could have been great. Could have been an all-timer. Mm. Uh, I'm going to throw Taki, uh, Takishi Marishima out mm. there. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing him. Him versus Danielson is one of my favorite matches ever. Career got cut short. Yeah. If yeah. he too could have... He could still be... He could be... He never got to New Japan, but he could be in New Japan today kicking ass. Yeah. Creating great matches. Everywhere he went, he created... He had great matches. Mm-hmm. Am I losing you here? Am I starting to no. bore you with my... No, not you. I, I thought about my life. <laughs> I thought about my life. Uh, I started this podcast, goddammit. <laughs> I think I'm going to th- throw a surprise one at you. Okay, let me hear. Michelle McCool. The fuck? Michelle McCool. If we give her a second chance in modern day WWE or even modern day pro wrestling, mm. where women have opportunities to do more things, Michelle McCool would have been in a 20 minute wrestler putting on bangers. She had the look, she was tall, she was athletic, she loved the business. Ooh. You sparked th- right here. I, I think if. She, I think she would have been a better version of Charlotte Flair. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Relax. Relax. She's a serious relax. You're pushing it there. I was with you until <laughs> that last one. Because I'm, I'm like, like, it's very fun. I'm going to sound so horrible saying this. Um, like, I look at Charlotte Flair as, like, the Pokemon Evolution version of Michelle McCool. Like, more athletic, you know, a little bit more successful. But is that because of of Charlotte Flair, or is that because of the time? Because you put Michelle McCool, plug her into NXT in the Performance <laughs> Center. Ooh, fucking doggy. But I don't know if Michelle McCool had the athleticism that Charlotte does. Of course she did. Not, like, the did way Did you Charlotte see her pull off a Styles Clash? Yes, I've you seen her. You know how hard of a move that is? Well, no, I've never been to wrestling school, Chad. Okay. <laughs> no, styles no. clash, and she was doing them from all positions, right. is one of the hardest moves to keep your opponent safe on. Yeah, and to just do full stop. It exercises a really certain type of muscle and athleticism. And she hit that shit flawlessly. And she hit that shit with almost no roadmap before her. Like, it's not like she had AJ Styles, like, watched him do it and then mm-hmm. watched the videos for training. She was doing that shit before AJ. Wait, what? Yeah. I need to, I need to check the timeline because AJ's been check doing it. that shit since Check that shit. I'm actually right AJ's on AJ's been one. doing that shit since 2002, goddammit. No, Michelle was doing it before him. I don't think he was uh, doing it since 2002. Yes, he was. He was. Oh, right, in TNA. I still yeah. think Michelle was before. 
I don't know. Cause, all right, let me check with Michelle. But anyway, um, that's not the part why I was saying it's fucked up. This is the part. I was going to say, if you put Tiffany Stratton, Charlotte Flair, and Michelle McCool, they kind of just like the Pokemon evolutions of each other. <laughs> I kind Because <laughs> then I look at Tiffany Stratton, I'm like, oh, she's like the next evolution of, <laughs> of Charlotte. Uh, just like, Who just popped into your mind? If I could put Gail Kim into like the women's like Ooh. into like that women's timing of like Becky Sasha, like if I could just put her right there, just but does she need her. a second chance? Because I feel like you're putting down TNA. No, right now. what I mean is like Which, when she of course works, everybody does. It's no, it's a great pastime. I would still keep her TNA run, but her first time being in WWE would have been during that time, not her first time being during the Divas era. Her first time would have yeah. been like her first match in LBWE would just be her and Sasha or her and like Becky and Charlotte. Like that time. But I I love Gail Kim and TNA. At one point, Gail Kim and TNA was the only reason why I was fucking watching TNA. <laughs> <laughs> so her and Awesome Kong had bangers. But we can throw um, AG Lee out there too, then. Because AG Lee didn't even get that TNA run. She didn't even have that run of glory. AJ Lee left right. Right as it was happening. Mm -hmm. That's the craziest part. Oh, it's fucking. No, AJ. AJ was using the style class before her. She came into WWE development in 2004. AJ was doing TNA and everything already. I don't know <laughs> about that. Oh, when did he first do the Styles Clash? It, yeah. AJ's style. I don't think he style. came in with that move. I think it was one of his first moves. I, I I know it was either that or it was like the spinal tap, the spiral tap. But because he was doing much more athletic shit back then, he was doing much more high flying stuff. Style splash is always still his finisher. I don't know. I'm gonna finish with one. Let's finish this off. Pick go up ahead. that argument later. I'm gonna finish one well with pretty relevant right now. I'm gonna go RVD because you get RV RVD. Really, I want a second chance on just his WWE title reign. Oh, that's I, I think that moment in time where RVD could have transcended an absolute superstardom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he just got in trouble. And he, and after that, he never got the trust of management and got lost in the shuffle of it all. But he was poised for that top tier, that elite tier. And yeah. he had the charisma. He had the cult fan base. That would have oh that would have been such a strong base for him that would have supported him through anything, and he had the athleticism and he put on great matches. Yeah, that's I think if he got a second shot, even in his time, he would have been he and we could just alter the timeline a little, just give it a little tweak. We would be talking about RVD in the stratosphere of all time, all time wrestlers. I think the funny thing is it depends on which wrestling fan you are <laughs> will depend on you know how you feel in regards to RVD because there are people like myself who's already like well yeah RVD is that but as you said they depend on he could have been wish, universal yeah I think it is one of those things where he could have just been super universally like one of like, those I'm talking he could have been on I mean John Cena is on his own level but I'm saying he could be on the level of a Randy Orton yeah, because here's the thing, and I agree with you on this. He, to people who watch ECW, he's already that. 
Like, you know yeah, what I'm but, but ECW like, was 30 years ago. But this is what I'm saying. Like, to rest certain wrestling fans, he is that. But then when you look into the WWE field, like, no, he could have been. It is that thing of, like, he could have been. And he didn't. It's very people, weird. People speak of Jeff Hardy before they speak of RVD. And I think RVD could have filled that slot or at least been next to Jeff Hardy during that time. Well, if you also think about it, Jeff Hardy's, I mean, his, that, that DU, that fucking weed bust. That doesn't happen, right? Right. Who knows how long we still get RVD on TV? I think we get him for a long time. Right, and that's the reason why people talk about Jeff Hardy before they talk about RVD because that's Hardy, but that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's it's like I'm you saying. tweak that, and you know Jeff Hardy will get like a random highlight clip from a non-pro wrestling account. Yeah, like all the time on Twitter, all the time. Or like if I'm talking pro wrestling with people. Like who well the one of the first wrestlers is like, Oh, I remember watching Jeff Hardy, dot 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 dot. You could have had you could have just slide R V D into that Jeff Hardy CM Punk feud. Yeah. And we're that living been, Oh my god, that would have been fucking fantastic. Right, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So, so let us know your picks for uh oh wait, you got one before I close no, this out? No, I was just about to say uh there are clips of AJ Styles using Sans Clash in WCW. So well then you, fuck me sideways. <laughs> I still stick by my Michelle McCool pick. I, hey, no problem with the pick. It's very interesting. Um, damn, there was one that just came to my head. How about this? There wasn't much of a roadmap. There wasn't. I'll give you that. It wasn't. Because he was the only person doing it. If you're not paying attention, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh. I did have one um fuck. This is a weird one. It's off. It's definitely offbeat. Love it. Um, I wonder what would have happened with Tyson Kidd if he never fucked up his neck. Ooh, interesting one. I like Tyson Kidd in ring a lot. He was very smooth, very clean. Um, I loved him and Cesaro as a tag team. Yeah. I just do wonder if his neck never got fucked up. Especially as they moved more into in-ring heavier based shit what it would have been and also would he have stayed would he have gone to the indies afterwards where it was like a little bit like i do wonder what would have happened with tyson kid because i think what he i don't even think he's like 42 yet or something like that like he's still pretty young so i'm like one of the mm. funniest haircuts in pro wrestling history hated that fucking haircut <laughs> an old timer when he grew out his full head of hair i was like why the fuck did you have that fucking shit in the first place the beanstalk sprout. Anyways, let us know if you had any. Yeah. any let us know who you would give a second shot on. Yeah. Uh, we love you. This is Jack Simon. Catch me on jacksimonmakes.com. Uh, look me up on Jack Doc Simon Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And you can find me online, Life of Beam. You can find me anywhere on that. Uh, you can follow us on for the podcast, Wrestling with Romance on IG, Romance Podcast on Twitter. We'll holler at you guys later. Deuces. Deuces.